You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Empty your mind. Be formless. Shapeless like water. If you put water in a cup, it becomes the cup. If you put water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle. If you put water on the quest for 100, it becomes the quest for 100. Now water can flow, or it can crash. Be water, my friend Justin. Very good. I'm, I, I'm impressed. You committed. Thanks. I tried. I like it. I, I, and you even customized it to the podcast, so yeah. it was perfect. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't offend people. I, I think if if you're saying it, it's a little bit better than me. True. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, well, it, welcome into the quest for 100. As uh, the voice always says, we are on the quest for 100, and I am Brian, joined again virtually by my friend Justin. How's it going, Justin? It is going well. Can't complain. Mostly, mostly I'm alive. I'm well. Sun's out. And, uh, I can see. The your... sun is out. Yeah, in my screen, it's it's. I'm uh, barely see my face. Yeah, it's a good thing this isn't um, video. I know. Well, I can't close the blind. I'm having trouble with that, hmm. so I have to figure that out. Yeah. Um, but no, I I this this episode, if you haven't picked up on, is obviously Bruce Lee, and I I I, I always say this about a lot of episodes, but I, I genuinely am excited for. For this podcast I think there hasn't been a ton of these but this is one where I felt completely clueless on the topic and educated myself uh, you know immerse myself a little bit in in the who Bruce Lee is and his films and I feel like I've learned a lot already so I'm excited to learn even more from you and uh, and have some some good conversations about it yeah yeah, I, uh, I mean, just to uh, right off the top to unbury the lead, I, I'm also excited about this. I watched, you know, some Bruce Lee documentaries when I was younger. My dad, being Chinese American, was obviously a very big fan of of Bruce Lee's because of the time period and you know just the the cultural uh, significance that he played on on my father. So. Um, when I was growing up, I, w- I would watch a lot of the films, um, specifically the, the the one that resonates with me the most is uh, the 1993. It's not even his film, but it's the the story of his life, and and you know it's very fictionalized and and the- theatricalized, but that's where I learned a lot about Bruce Lee and his story, you know, growing up was was from watching that film and then obviously watching some of the older films that were released before i was born but you know that that's kind of where i started yeah no i mean that makes sense i think we're you know we're both in our 30s and you know weren't around when his movies were uh or when he was at the his popularity and alive even so you know for me my background was pretty limited in i knew the name bruce lee i didn't um, I never saw one of his movies. I never was huge into kung fu movies. 
uh, growing up, there wasn't really a, a big following in my group to, to watch Kung Fu type movies. There was a little bit of a resurgence. I felt like in the nineties and with, you know, Jackie Chan getting back on the scene and some, some other movies there, but, but from a Bruce Lee standpoint, I just, I honestly didn't know anything about him other than he was kind of a legend. Yep. And, and I think that's what kind of intrigued me with this. Uh, there's very few people that, you know, are considered a legend that I don't know much about. Usually I know something about them. Even, you know, guys like Muhammad Ali, like you hear, like they're just, you hear about them more. But Bruce Lee was, was in my, at least in my circles, was just not talked about that much mm-hmm. because I think the abstract or how abstract Kung Fu was compared to boxing, right? Boxing was an American sport. Kung Fu was, was different. So I, I, again, I, I think I, kind of started from the ground level other than knowing his name and a little bit of his story and in what I've seen kind of this last week of research I've been really happy with it I think also part of that could be the east coast west coast thing right like he had a very you know most of not most of his life but but the influence he played was very much you know up and down the west coast and so you know, knowing that I grew up on the West Coast and, and you grew up on the East, I, I, he may not have right. infiltrated as much over the East Coast as he did with, you know, having some kung fu gyms uh, up in Seattle and down mm-hmm. in in Oakland and, and San Francisco yeah. area. So, you know that that could have also played played a role there. Sure. Well, should we jump into some Bruce Lee news? Let's do it. Cool. So my, you know, it's interesting talking about news related to Bruce Lee uh, when he's been, when he has, he's been passed, he's been passed away for a long time now, but I guess uh, obviously before, sorry, before you jump into that, yeah. I guess we should probably preface the fact that we we're talking about him because of the B water 30 for 30 that was released. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's really, I mean, one of the biggest news with this is that this was just released. I think we teased it a little bit last week uh, in our episode, but that was something that again, gave uh, an opportunity for people to learn more. And I know I took advantage of that and watched that uh, this week and, and really enjoyed that. But, um, but yeah, so big, big kind of news is that dropping, but kind of in related to that. And with this, you know, him resurfacing a little bit, I actually came across an article kind of a combination of a couple articles actually about when once upon a time in, in Hollywood, do you remember or have you seen yeah. that movie yet? I have not seen it. I heard, heard about it. Yeah. So I, I saw the movie and first and foremost, like I thought it was a, a fine movie, but so many things went over my head. Like I didn't, I didn't catch, I obviously didn't grow up during that era, but um, you know, it, it was a lot of following around the Manson murders and things going around in the, in the um, you know late sixties and seventies, and so I missed some of those things. But one of the scenes, Brad Pitt, which is one of the main characters in the movie, he actually fights, and his character's name is Cliff Booth, and he takes on Bruce Lee on the set of The Green Hornet. Yeah. Uh, early in, early in the film. Now, again, I knew the name Bruce Lee, but that's the extent I knew about him, and I knew you know kind of what he looked like. 
But other than that, that was it. So that whole scene like didn't really do anything for me. It didn't bother me or whatever. But, you know, in this fight scene, the, the character Cliff Booth actually, you know, throws him around a little bit and, and actually throws him into a, uh, I don't know, into a car and then they're fighting, fighting. And it ultimately ends in a draw between this, you know, character and, and, and this person who's supposed to be Bruce Lee. And a lot of people were really upset that this person was able to go, you know, hand in hand and fight Bruce Lee. And so there was a lot in the people in the community that they really didn't like it. And apparently the, the crew of the movie even stated that Tarantino, who was the director, originally wanted to show Booth defeating Lee, which Brad Pitt and the rest of the team were uncomfortable with. And, you know, originally I'm like, I, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that because he's a legend, right? And so the news was that kind of related to, to all this was that Tarantino was asked about it. And his comment was, could Cliff beat up Bruce Lee? He said, Brad would not be able to beat up Bruce Lee. But Cliff maybe could, Tarantino said. If you asked me the question, well, who would win in a fight, Bruce Lee or Dracula? It's the same question. It's a fictional character. If I say Cliff could beat Bruce Lee up, he's a fictional character, and then he could beat up Bruce Lee up. Tarantino also talked about Booth's experience as a Green Beret, killing people in hand-to-hand combat in World War II, and using that to further justify Booth's superiority over Lee in combat. Hmm. Um, I mean, they, they look... I mean, you look at them fight like it just if Bruce Lee should dominate that competition. Like he's one of the greatest fighters of all time yep. um, versus this fictional person. But Tarantino kind of, you know, he, he had a decent point with it. But I think what, you know, just came out. So uh, Wynn, who was the director of of the uh, Be Water uh, documentary, yep. he said that Tarantino's heart was in the right place, but uh, taking a legendary real-life figure like Lee and turning him into a negative fictional character hurts the late actor's contributions to cinema. And I do agree with that. I kind of see both points to it. And you know, now being immersed in understanding who he is and his background and what he did for people that, that he represented, I just... It does. I, I do see that point of perspective and saying, like, yeah, I understand. Like, sure, you could have him lose to whoever, but like, let's not forget that this guy is is a, he's a legend and and treat him like a legend. Don't don't just throw it aside just because you want to. Yeah. Well, and also you you talk about just you know the the character being a real person, even though he's fictional. Like he is. A person he's not like you can't compare a real person who's maybe a green beret to dracula who's a completely fictional you know almost super human super like you know not human necessarily but like a along the lines of of something more fictional than just a real person well and now that, that was tarantino's argument right like he was saying that you know, this fictional character in Cliff Booth, who is a Green Beret fictionally, fought him and could, you know, could beat him. He thinks he could, like, but you don't know that. And, yeah, and again, it, that's a little it was, too close to the line, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And I think it felt real. Yeah. And it felt like they were making him into a little bit of a, I mean, 
he came off as very cocky and pompous, which was a personality trait of him. Like he was a very confident person and that came through. Uh, and the documentary talked about that too. But um, yeah, anyway, I just thought it was an interesting stance and in how, you know, someone could be portrayed and, and how, you know, this was within the last year here, um, all this stuff happening. So anyway. All right. Well, my news uh, has a little bit to do with Bruce Lee, more to do with some sneakers. So originally back in 2010, inspired by two classic Bruce Lee films, Nike released the Kobe 5 Pro Tro in the iconic black and yellow, you know, style paying homage to the one piece jumpsuit that Bruce Lee wore in the the game of death. Mm-hmm. And it also had a red scratch mark on it to to pay homage to the That's... final fight scene in Enter the Dragon. That's awesome. I had That's no really idea that that shoe even existed. I'm not a sneakerhead or anything, but um, and then in 2016, the Kobe 11 Bruce Lee edition was uh, announced. Well, now recently, you know, in 2020, ever since Kobe Bryant's death, uh, his line of Nike signature shoes has kind of really been in in this limbo state, and the brand was really struggling to figure out how they were going to move forward. And then just recently, they have announced that they are going to bring back the Kobe 5 Proto, uh, Pro, Pro, Pro Tro with that signature Bruce Lee look, just almost exactly like it, it, the original details that they released in, yeah. in 2010. Um, they'll also have a black and white version if, the, if you don't want to go with the yellow and black, but you know, and, and this shoe will sell for $180 if, if you're interested, Justin. Yeah, so I'm looking at photos of this online. Also, eBay's are popping up of a uh, the those shoes that were what was it 2010? Yeah, um, when they were first released, and they're twelve hundred dollars right now on eBay for those shoes. But they look awesome. Like I, I I'm digging this uh, the style, and then just that very subtle. Like if you just see black and yellow, like that's not a big deal you wouldn't necessarily connect it, but that little, little three slashes yeah. that are from enter the dragon. I, that's cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. I don't know if I'd pay 180 bucks for the new shoes, but they are really cool. Yeah. I, I, I will say that. I, I, as a person who doesn't wear like strangely colored shoes, I can't say that I would buy them, but yeah. I could I could pull I can pull off some strange colored shoes. Yeah, you have some. Time. You for sure have yeah. some. All right. Well, uh, let's drop some knowledge. As we normally do, I'm the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy. So we're always going to start with some history. So Lee Jun Fan, also known as Bruce Lee, was born on November twenty seventh, nineteen forty, in Chinatown, San Francisco. According to the Chinese Zodiac, Lee was born in both the hour and the year of the dragon, which meant he was going to have a uh, strong and uh, fortuitous omen. So Lee's father, Lee Hyun Chun, was a Cantonese opera singer or opera star that uh, was on tour in San Francisco 
And so then just three months after Bruce Lee was born, his parents actually moved back to Hong Kong with him. So he was introduced to films at an early age. Uh, His first role was actually as a baby when he was carried onto the set in the film Golden Gate Girl. Uh, At the age of nine, he co-starred with his father in a film called The Kid. And then by the time he was 18, he actually had appeared in 20 total films. Uh, and, and all of these being in Hong Kong. And, and, you know, I'm not sure if you're aware of the Hong Kong, you know, film industry, Justin. But it, it's, a, it's pretty big in, in the, you know, Asian markets. So he got into several fights as a kid. And so his parents started to put him into training in martial arts. He started studying Wing Chun with uh, his teacher, Yip Man. In the spring of 1959, uh, Bruce got into another street fight and actually beat the son of a feared triad member. And uh, so his family decided to move him to the United States. Initially, he went to San Francisco, but he didn't really stay there that long and and he eventually moved up to Seattle where he worked as a live-in waiter at Ruby Chow's restaurant. And this was actually the first Chinese restaurant in the city that was outside of the international district. And it was on first Hill. Hmm. Is Ruby Chow still around? Uh, That is a great question. I feel like I've heard about it. You might have to do some research while I I continue. That's a good question. Um, But so you said your dad was a fan yeah and was he around the same like do you know when he was born or was he in my the dad 50s or the, yeah my dad was born in the 50s yeah so he he okay. you know when once we get down to the enter the dragon and and some of the films you know that would have been right about his teenage years so okay so when in seattle uh working as a waiter Bruce Lee also started the Jung Fan Kung Fu, which basically meant Bruce Lee Kung Fu. So it was his version of Wing Chun. Uh, And then in 1960, he completed high school at Edison Technical School in Capitol Hill. In the spring of 1961, he actually enrolled in the University of Washington. And this is where he met his wife, Linda Caldwell. And, you know, throughout the the movie Dragon, the story of Bruce Lee, you know, you you almost don't even see Seattle. Um, that's when, when we talk about how that's a theatrical version. Like, it's all based in, in Oakland, and, and they never even show you going to Seattle. The only reference is when they actually meet, uh, and they show some, pile, or some, some pillars, and that's actually in Seattle and on the campus of University of Washington, but they never actually tell you that he's moved to University of Washington. They show it as being Oakland the whole entire time. Mm -hmm. So uh, Lee dropped out of college in 1964, and he moved to Oakland with his friend James Yim Lee, and they opened another martial arts studio. Soon after opening the studio, Lee was issued an ultimatum by the Chinese community to stop teaching non-Chinese students the ways of the Kung Fu. He refused, and he was challenged to a combat match with uh, Wong Jack Man, 
Uh, and there's actually some mixed reports on the outcome of, of this uh, fight. And, you know, the some people say that, you know, it turned out a draw. Some people say that it, it um, was a victory for Bruce Lee. And then Wong Jack Man actually sucker punched um, Bruce when after he conceded, um, you know, various reports because this was a, a unsanctioned fight. So only a few people were actually there to witness it. But um, film producer uh, William Dozier saw Bruce perform in a martial arts exhibition in in California and actually offered him a role as Cato in the TV series called The Green Hornet. This series actually lasted 26 minutes. And Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. I got thrown off because when I said series, my iPad <laughs> thought I said Siri. So an Apple, they're listening. Yeah. So the series uh, lasted one season and 26 episodes. And Bruce actually also appeared in three crossover episodes of Batman. Yeah, I saw that. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. In the early 1970s, Lee returned home uh, to Hong Kong after not seeing much success in Hollywood because he refused a lot of roles that really played off the stereotypes of Asians, and and he wanted to play uh, a portray a you know powerful you know important person in all of these movies rather than kind of the the slapstick comedy um, stereotypical Asian that that Hollywood was really portraying at the time. So in Hong Kong in 1971, he got his first leading role, and this was in The Big Boss, which saw real great success in Asia. And then in 1972, um, he starred in Fist of Fury, and this broke a lot of box office records. And I actually rewatched Fist of Fury, you know, in studying for this, and and I I think it's, you know, pretty good film for, you know, that Hong Kong cinema. Sure. In 1972, uh, he started in the Way of the Dragon, and in this film, he actually wrote, uh, directed, uh, wrote and directed the uh, fight scenes of the film, and he actually was featured in this film with Chuck Norris. This is deemed one of the best martial arts fight scenes in film history. In August yeah, of 1972, he started filming Game of Death, which featured a fight scene with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And Kareem Abdul-Jabbar appears in Be Water, um, among other things, because he was, you know, one of Bruce's students and and really, you know, learned a lot from Bruce in terms of just kung fu and, and life in general. And they became really great friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that fight scene even though Kareem isn't like the most doesn't look the most gifted in terms of Kung Fu, but he, he looks like a giant compared to yeah. Bruce Lee. Like, like he looks like he's two people taller. It's, it's crazy how lanky he is and how short or presumably short um, Bruce Lee is. Yeah. So the filming for, for this movie, uh, the game of death actually stopped filming when Bruce was offered by Warner Brothers the opportunity to star in Enter the Dragon. 
And so he went and filmed out uh, Enter the Dragon. And a few months after the completion of filming the dragon, and just six days before the movie was to premiere, Bruce passed away. Um, his his wife actually returned him to Seattle, so he's actually buried in Lakeview Cemetery in Capitol Hill, which is a uh, part of Seattle. And then in in 1978, the game of death was finally finally completed. So. In the filming process before Bruce passed, they had about 100 minutes of footage um, that was shot prior to the stoppage in 1972. But at the end of the day, the the film only ended up with about 15 minutes of Bruce actually in it. And really the rest of the the footage was outtakes. So, you know, that's kind of where we, we stand today with Bruce and obviously the 30 for 30, you know, by Bo Yuen um, and you know, was released two weeks ago. And, and I think in this time period with the social injustice movement and, and Black Lives Matter, um, I think it's very relevant to, to talk about Bruce Lee because just all the work that he did with not just Chinese and Chinese Americans, but, you know, race as a whole, he, he just mm-hmm. didn't care about race. You know, we were all people and you know even back in the the 70s he was pushing for a lot of that so um you know it's just very very relevant at this time yeah and and he was making an impact whether he was trying to or not like he was making an impact for his his community and i i think they talked about in the documentary how you know people what was the cantonese people like they weren't in films they weren't um, you know, Asian Americans weren't in like they maybe were in them, but they were pushed as as something just totally, you know, extreme. Yeah. And he opened up the door. I mean, he put he put himself, he forced himself almost into a lead role and fought for a lead role and got it and said, you know, again, whether he was trying to make a statement or not, like he was he was there and he, you know, people that followed him whether that was, you know, the Jackie Chans or, you know, I don't know, somebody else that, that comes through, you know, years and years later, there's, there's so many people that probably looked at him and said, Hey, that's amazing. I can do that too. And grew into that path. So it's, I, there was so much, you, you brought a good point. There's so many similarities to what's happening right now and, you know, different communities, but, but is really, you know, really relevant uh, as we talk about it. So I, I definitely encourage, as I'm sure you do, to watch that documentary. But I'll, I'll get into some stats on on Bruce. And as I wanted to start with just his movies in general and uh, and then deep dive into Enter the Dragon a little bit further. But in, in terms of IMDb ratings, the highest rating that any of his movies had was a 7.7, which was Enter the Dragon. Fist of Fury was a 7.4. Way of the Dragon was a 7.3. The Big Boss was 7.1. Um, as you, I think, mentioned, the the style both in the 70s and with with the what is it, the Hong Kong media or, or yep. just yeah. So you know the film industry there with that style, like the fact that it's this iconic and it has those ratings, I think is really great. Um, and we'll talk about our our thoughts on on these movies or at least enter the dragon but 
So the the Green Hornet, which you mentioned, actually was rated a 7.4. Weirdly enough, I mean, to see something that has a lot of love like that but didn't get renewed, and again, that was partially because they took a risk by having him be a lead. And though he wasn't, you know, often viewed as the lead, he was he was really a lead. And and unfortunately, a lot of the U.S. Um, people were just not ready for that and. So anyway, but speaking to Enter the Dragon, so it was one of the more most successful films of 1973. And upon release in Hong Kong, the film grossed 3.3 million, which was huge, which was huge business for the time, but actually less than the previous two films, Fist of Fury and Way of the Dragon. Mm. And, but if you actually look at, um, when it came over here, so against a tight budget of eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the film grossed a hundred million units, or sorry, a hundred million upon its initial nineteen seventy three worldwide release, making it one of the world's highest grossing films of all time up until then. Hmm. By the two thousand tens, it had grossed an estimated worldwide total of three hundred fifty million equivalent to approximately 1.2 billion adjusted for inflation having earned about 410 times its original budget. So wow. Uh there's there's some there's some analysis that I read that talked about it being one of the most successful films of all time just in terms of you know its longevity and people still, you know, watching it but then also the fact that it was 410 times, you know, you're winning that's the the people that made that movie are just rolling in in the money because of it. So, yeah. Uh, Which, you know, and maybe we'll get into more of this, but it reminded me exactly of Doctor No from James Bond. Yeah, yeah, like, it did. From a structural standpoint, it's almost the exact same. Right, I think, and that style is very you know seventies, right? Like it's that. Um, I don't know. I couldn't describe exactly what it is, but there's a you know you. It's very formulaic, but but yeah, I think just people were excited to see to see him in action in a in a film and a and I don't know. If, I guess it was considered an American film. Yeah, it was Warner Brothers. Know. So yeah, Warner Brothers. So it was American. It, it but was, I thought it, it, uh, I believe it was still with Golden Harvest, which was you know the Hong Kong. Yeah, but yeah, but Warner Brothers did play a bigger role in it, right? But uh, we we talked about this though, um, you know, the with just him kind of fighting against when he coming over here to to the Amer- to America and and trying to get a foothold in um, the, the in Hollywood and the U.S. film industry, and there's there's data that kind of supports even though he played a prominent role in the green hornet he was not paid the same way and i think the documentary brought this up but there was an interview with linda and uh she she talked about um the discrepancy and and van the 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 other lead the green hornet got two thousand dollars an episode wendy wagner got eight hundred and fifty dollars an episode and bruce got four hundred dollars an episode and she just talked about um, she was honestly just joking about how like she was going to take it up with Van, and then they mentioned uh, Martin Grams, who was a smaller 
role had $550 per week. So it's just like, it's just wild to think that someone who was, he's, he's a, a supporting, like he's the one a or one B or whatever, and just was not treated like that. And so it's kind of cool to see him kind of rise through the ranks. I mean, that was in the sixties and then the seventies, he really made a name for himself even more so, but the, at, what, at the time of his death, the, um, it was estimated that he was worth $10 million. And that's according to celebrity net worth. And what I thought was interesting, I did a little bit more digging into this and there was a quote from Bruce. It said, I Bruce Lee will be the first highest paid Oriental superstar in the United States. He, he wrote this in return. I will give the most exciting performances and render the best of quality in the capacity of an actor. He then went on to state that starting the new, the next year beyond living the way he pleased and achieving inner harmony and happiness, he would achieve world fame and from then onward till the end of 1980 will have in my possession $10 million. So hmm. he literally said, my goal is to become super successful, find inner happiness and all of this and have $10 million. And sure enough, that was his net worth at passing. So, you know, he really, I mean, it's amazing. And at that time to achieve that much is really cool. A couple other quick hitter stats to, to just bring up. He actually holds seven world records. And before I even run through these world records, I did want to call out, because I was curious, especially from that fight with uh, Kareem, was his height. And so he's five foot seven and a half, which in that footage, I thought I could have sworn he was like five foot tall, but Kareem is just a giant. But five seven is not, I mean, it's shorter, but it's not super short. I don't know. It's, and he weighed 141 pounds. Um, so anyway, so think of a man like that and then achieving some of this stuff. So he was the only man to break a 45-pound sandbag with a sidekick. He produced 1,600 pounds of force with nunchucks. All these are world records, by the way. He could land nine punches in one second. Wow. Yeah. He could kick six times in one second. I think that's even more impressive. <laughs> yeah. He could perform 1,500 push-ups in a row, 400 with one hand, 200 on two fingers, and 100 on his thumb. Jeez. <laughs> he achieved a punching power of 350 pounds, which is actually the same as Muhammad Ali. Even more impressive when you consider Ali weighed twice as much as Lee. Yeah. And he could kick a 135-pound sandbag five feet into the air. <laughs> so, again, like, that's insane. Like, that means you could kick a human being five feet. I mean, some humans, a lot of humans are that way. Yeah. And you could kick them five feet in the air. That is just, I mean... All of those just seem ridiculously unachievable, but he obviously did that, and I, I just thought I'd call that out. But 
Why don't we get into some uh, friendship tests? We just become best friends. Yep. All right, Brian. So you've seen, I think, a little bit more movies than I have. What would you say is Bruce Lee's most iconic or best? It could be different uh, movie. Um, I-, I liked Enter the Dragon. I also saw Fist of Fury and one other one. I can't remember what it was. Most recent, uh, you know, in my research for this. It's kind of weird, like the the dragon, the Bruce Lee story. Just like for some reason, like that indicates my childhood, and so like I like that one a lot. Obviously, that's not even yeah. his movie; it's just his life, um, right. and, and it's totally, you know, theatricalized. So I, I I can't pick that one. I guess I would pick enter the dragon i liked i think my big issue is that because it's like dr no it's like it's a little hard uh i yeah. really i did like fist of fury that that i thought was a a, a good film you know cool storyline uh, one interesting fact and cuz i was trying to actually look for it in Chinese with subtitles they Mm -hmm. actually Hong Kong I I learned that Hong Kong film making they actually didn't record audio and all of a a lot of their uh, well up until a certain point all of their films were actually dubbed anyways so even if it was in you know a traditional you know Mandarin and Cantonese the they would record the audio after the fact Interesting. Yeah, I did not know that. So, I mean, you, I've I've seen a lot of dubbed stuff, but I just didn't know that that was a common thing. For that. Right, and so so I I do wish I had been able to find it in um, you know the traditional Cantonese, or I would assume it was Cantonese. You know, so I you kind of get a little bit more of a experience when you can kind of hear the actual actors you know saying mm-hmm. those words rather than it being dubbed by an american person yeah I, i'd rather read those titles but i did really like it it was i think it's a really good film it, i don't know if you saw it but I, I would suggest people to go watch it too yeah i so i have i, I probably don't can't have a, a true statement on this one but because i have only seen one full film and that was enter the dragon i've seen pieces of a lot of these other ones uh, and iconic scenes in a lot of these other ones, but so in terms of my my favorite, I would, I guess I would have to say that. But yeah, the but this I don't know, like the 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 movie itself, and I I'm excited to see. I, I'm honestly, and I I not just saying that. I do want to watch some of these other films now because of what I saw with Enter the Dragon. Now I won't uh, to be completely honest. Like I enjoyed almost going back in history and watching this movie and such an iconic person and moment and all of that the storyline was not super exciting for me I mean it wasn't it was a little bit predictable you know and all of that so from a movie storyline it was fine but but watching him fight it was really cool and I actually read somewhere that for Enter the Dragon particularly they had to slow down some of the footage I don't know if you saw this 
to actually capture his movements. Hmm. And it wasn't for all of it, but but for some of the shots, he was moving so fast that it looked unreal. And so they had to slow it down to make it feel more real, even though he actually was moving that fast. Wow. Which is so funny. Because my guess is, and I, I can't confirm this, but my guess is other kung fu and other movies like that, they may speed it up a little bit to make it appear like they're going so fast. But with him, they actually wanted to slow it down, which I thought was really cool. But I, I was talking with a friend and he's he's older he uh i believe he was born in the uh the late 50s or 60s and he was just talking about this this film in particular but but any of the bruce lee films he's he's from um uh he's from asian descent uh i can't remember where specifically if it was hong kong or where um but he talked about how it almost was a cultural experience to go and see these movies and Enter the Dragon was one of those as well, where you would go and it was just kind of a fun event. Like it wasn't about the story per se. It was about one, the community, but also just watching this movie and just being together and cheering. And like you, everybody would be yelling and at the screen and all this other stuff, like when stuff happened and which is so different. I mean, you can go to, some films and it can be like that but most films you go to you don't really watch like that but it, these movies were almost made with that intent of just like celebrating these moments so there's a little bit over the top uh theatrical stuff that happens that you know when you compare it to modern day films there's a, there's a lot less of that now yeah but i still I, for what the timing and and the skills within it, i i think that movie was just spectacular all right, so in terms of a kung fu star, we have some uh, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, and Jet Li from from most recent. And interestingly, as I was looking up Enter the Dragon and, and some information on it, Jackie Chan was actually an extra in that movie. Yes, yes. So I, I've heard that too, and I had to find the footage of it. I don't know if you watched it. Yeah. Um, I didn't catch it, obviously, in the moment. No. Because he's he's just a he's just a guy that's yeah. fighting yeah. him, but I I was gonna bring that up too because it's kind of funny when I originally wrote this question I I for me and this is kind of gives you a little bit of my background my my background was in the nineties so Jackie Chan was a kung fu master like he was like the guy and and I probably even heard about Bruce Lee because I heard or knew about Jackie Chan. And, you know, kind of put Bruce Lee in its own category, which weirdly enough, uh, I think Bruce Lee was born in 40. Right. And I think Jackie Chan was not that much after him. He might have been maybe 10 years older. Um, now I want to look it up. Yeah. 1940 for Bruce. Uh, and OK, so Jackie Chan was 14 years younger than him. But, you know. He, I always kind of put them as Jackie or Bruce Lee's in the black and white films almost. And this is me uneducated and Jackie Chan, you know, he's, he's kind of like this recent young, younger guy. Now he's old, uh, but they really weren't that far different. Well, yeah. The, I mean, if, if Bruce had, or yeah, if Bruce had lived, he would only been, you know, in his mid fifties in, in the nineties, which would have been, right. you know, I mean, definitely after his prime, but 
he would still be starring in movies in the 90s so yeah yeah so anyway so this original question was not that easy after watching bruce lee in action yeah and honestly even fighting jackie chan without us knowing bruce lee is a clear winner here but i will say and i, and I know a little bit about jet lee i've seen him in some stuff but jackie chan which i if i had to choose to fight one of these two people i think jackie chan would be the most frustrating person in the world to fight because he unlike bruce lee bruce lee is very like tactical he is just pristine everything he every move he makes is perfect whereas jackie like i actually watched uh, a bunch of drunken master and I don't know if you've seen the film before with Jackie Chan. It's one of his first that actually came out. I think it was 78. So similar style. And, but that entire film and, and in honestly in rush hour as well, he was kind of a goofball, Yeah. but, but he would, he would play with you. Like he would be doing these moves cause he knew he was better than you. And he still was amazingly talented and he could, I mean, there were scenes in this drunken master that I was watching that he's just kind of like tossing this guy's hat around and, and this bottle around and like hitting the guy in between. And it was so mesmerizing how quick he was moving around while with these things and frustrating the enemy that Bruce Lee is not like that. Like he's just, I'm going to get you. And the first time I can hit you, I'm going to hit you and I'm going to hit you hard 18 times. Yeah. Yeah. Jet, Jet Lee Jackie seems like just, that too. Yeah, Jackie's the Jackie's the comedy. Jet and Bruce are the the serious. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you you kind of have to go with Bruce. I mean, it, right? If from stardom level though, like it's not Bruce, right? Like uh, I think everybody knows who Bruce is nowadays. But in terms of you know number of films and true stardom, I don't know that he necessarily has that as much as as you know per se jackie does i think jackie people probably know more of jackie than they do of bruce nowadays it's kind of my opinion yeah wow jet lee is 57 i always kind of pictured him as a kid wow that's crazy yeah i would have thought he was younger too and chuck norris is 80 years old oh my goodness (laughs) we're getting old justin yeah this is weird. Like these were like prime icons growing up. Anyway, all right. Well, I, I this I'm going to throw out three names again, but we're going to go out of the kung fu world a little bit. Who do you think is a better athlete? Is it Bruce Lee? Is it Michael Jordan? Or is it Muhammad Ali? Okay, I I think this one is is pretty straightforward for me, and and it has to be Bruce Lee because of the physical toll and and ability that is needed for Kung Fu. Ali is, is able to punch and sustain punches, but really, I mean, that, that was what he was able to do, right? Like if you were to, to put him in a different environment, he may not have been as good. Jordan, great basketball player, really great athlete as well. I can't pick Jordan because I don't think Jordan is the best basketball athlete ever so yeah 
uh, I, I have to pick Bruce of those. Would you, would you put LeBron? Not that we have to get into a debate there, but from an athlete perspective, yes. From a, a pure okay. athlete perspective, I would put LeBron yeah. ahead of Jordan. Basketball player, you can you can argue either way. I would say, but LeBron is clearly a physical specimen, and and Jordan, you know, was a great player, but but not the right. athlete, and so. You just listed off all of those things that Bruce could do, and you know, uh, to set those re- records. I, I mean, top to bottom, he's a, a better athlete than those other two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, this is something that I I started to write before, and and my opinion changed as I learned more about Bruce. But I think it's Bruce too. I, I'm with you on this. You know, I I have a ton of respect for these other two, and honestly, Bruce looked up to Muhammad Ali. Yeah. I know that was brought up, uh, which is cool. You know, he learned from Muhammad Ali, which makes you kind of say, well, well, then maybe Ali is the guy. Um, And I think Ali was just, all three of these guys are amazing. But the the one thing I'll say, and I'm going to stick with Bruce, but the one like small little thing I'll say is that there are people probably wrong that say that Bruce was an actor and while he can while he obviously is amazing at his craft and he, he's not making this up right like he has world records but he also didn't get into a fight uh, or he's been in fights but he doesn't like publicly get into fights whereas Ali did and so you know I it would be interesting to see Ali and Bruce fight or something like that some hypothetical thing but uh, but the one thing I'll, I'll kind of add to this uh, in 2014, Sports Illustrated did the top 50 best athletes of all time. So this is dated now. Uh, I'm sure LeBron would be up there. But the number one was Jordan, number two was Ali, and number 15 was Bruce Lee. So yeah, I mean, had, he's not going to be recognized as that because people think of him as a movie star. Yeah, yeah, and I think that hurts him. But but yeah. again, you look at those records, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, well, going back to one of our previous topics and your love for the lightsaber, <laughs> which do you enjoy more, watching more, kung fu fights or lightsaber battles? This is, uh, is kind of hard. Um, kung fu in general, like if you're taking the people out of it, so not necessarily Bruce Lee doing it, just a kung fu fight versus a lightsaber battle. Well, okay, then 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 you have to take out you have to take out the the people from the lightsaber battle too. Like that's that's fine. It's just that's your fine. average average person. Yeah. Um, In Star Wars, there for I think again partly because of the timing of it and what they can do with special effects and whatnot a lightsaber battle weirdly feels more realistic if that makes sense <laughs> i know this makes this it maybe it makes no sense but like kung fu like you could tell they're not hitting people like in a kung fu movie like if i was watching two people fight with a lightsaber two people well a fake lightsaber and two people fight kung fu i'm choosing kung fu because they're actually fighting but in a kung fu movie in a fight scene like it's amazing how quickly he's moving around like or people are moving around but you can still tell they stop like six inches from their face and they're flying backwards like it's not 
granted that's the 70s too and it's maybe things would be different uh if a kung fu movie came out today but traditional kung fu i would movie versus a lightsaber related movie i'm probably leaning lightsaber now so, i would so much you- rather see bruce lee than you know hayden christensen in a movie like i bruce lee is an amazing person to watch like i'd rather watch that but if you're just pulling that out i'd probably lean lightsaber weirdly enough because it feels more realistic <laughs> see and i'm i'm i would have to go the other way because you you have a whole dance to it there's a whole choreography to it that yes okay maybe they're pulling punches and and kicks and and there's no actual contact but to me that makes it even more impressive because they are able to stop right there and not make contact or get that close I mean, it's not like they're way off. Like, if you're not necessarily looking for it, you don't know that they're not making contact. And, and yes, there's some theatricals to it. Like, you're not going to send a guy across the room or once you make contact, he's not going to jump into the air and spin and those type of things. But it's there's choreographed, you know, to all of these battle or fights that, I mean, there's a reason why Bruce Lee was the writer and the director for all of the fight scenes in, in that movie. And, and, you know, there's purpose to it. So I just, I'd much rather watch a Kung Fu fight than, than just, you know, anybody watching anybody in a lightsaber battle. I, I mean, there is Corey, Corey, choreography, there choreography in lightsaber battles as well. So, yeah. It's it's still impressive to it's, me. It's how not quite as much of a do, dance. But but yes, you're right. You're right. It's all in post. I think in, in short impressiveness. If you're talking impressiveness with like what they're able to do, yeah, kung fu wins. I'm I'm with you on that. But in terms of entertainment, I'd rather there be contact than obvious like whoa, like I'm just gonna fly back five feet. Um, so I mean, heck, if he actually made contact. He probably would fly back five feet, but they're fake. They or they have to fake all of this uh, so they can have guys flying around all over the place. I I don't know. I, so in 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 A New Hope, when Obi Wan Kenobi dies and Darth Vader kills him, there's not actually contact there because he just disappears. And and those are sure. kind of comparable in terms of time periods so yeah but that's how all of the contacts gonna happen in your lightsaber battles but you can't see i mean if you're looking at new hope and comparing it from there then sure uh if you're good but i i mean timeline that's what you're talking in timeline i still think the lightsaber battles we don't have to get back into this but i'm still saying lightsaber battles on the prequels and the sequels are still better than the original star Wars movies and if you're comparing the original Star Wars movies to Kung Fu movies, I'm taking Kung Fu. That's that's my stance. But I'm saying in general, lightsaber fights out of the nine movies, six of them had good choreographed Bruce Lee, entertaining fights. Bruce Lee doesn't Maybe have any f- films to compare in that time period, though. You're right. You're exactly right. And that's why I'm saying if Kung Fu made a movie out in 2020 with starring Bruce Lee, I would probably choose that movie over. There you go. All right, that's all I wanted to know. That's all. Uh, <laughs> all I wanted to know. 
All right, well, let's uh, get into some delusional thinking. You really are crazy. All right, Justin. So our delusional thinking question for this week has to do with Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee, as we've mentioned a couple different times. So you're yourself, and you have to decide, would you rather take a punch from Muhammad Ali or a kick from Bruce Lee. Yeah. Well, either way, I'm going to be in a lot of pain. Yep. So that's, that's first and foremost. Yep. Um, my question for you though, is where am I getting punched and or kicked? Mm, good question. Good question. Um, I would say in your upper body and, Let's just say below your head. Below my head. Body shot to your to you know above your waist. To the heart. <laughs> I mean. Right to the heart. <laughs> yeah, I honestly the. Whew, for me, with that clarification, I think it's a it's a no brain. Now wait, hold on. Another question: Is Muhammad Ali wearing a glove? Yes. Okay. And Bruce and is wearing I a shoe. Choos- okay. Uh, the glove's a little bit softer. Oh. Um, I'm going Muhammad Ali. Now, oh. I will be in a lot of pain. Yeah, you will. A lot of pain. But I, I, my only if, – if you would have said that, you know, honestly, if, if Ali was punching me in the face and Bruce Lee was kicking me, you know, in the chest or whatever, like – I would maybe debate that, but in equal spot and not a concussion related area, I'm going to take a punch and it's going to hurt a lot. But Bruce Lee literally holds world records for this stuff. And not that Muhammad, I'm sure Muhammad Ali owns a couple records. I'm I'm sure sure he does. But, but they just, they said that, I mean, there's way maybe makes this as the same. Actually now I'm reeling back a little bit that Bruce Lee's kick is just as strong as Muhammad Ali's punch. Right. So. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And so, I don't know. There's, ooh, it's tough. I, a part of me, yeah, I'm going to stick with Ali, though I think it would be maybe more s- story-worthy if you could say that you got kicked by Bruce Lee. Although both are pretty iconic too, yeah, so yeah. So here's my thought process: is and it's hard because my gut instinct is to go with Bruce Lee, but the problem is that I feel like he's gonna kick, and the your foot, like your heel bone, I feel like has to be so hard, like it it must feel like a freaking rock. Yeah. And yeah. so I don't know if I would enjoy that. <laughs> well, we, we've acknowledged that we're not enjoying either one. <laughs> True. But, True. But, but yeah, that that boniness of a heel. That, yeah. But then again, now if, knuckles and taped up and in a glove. And the amount of force that he can put behind it, a, a punch, all he can, I mean... That's just scary. 
Like both of these yeah. are scary. I I yeah. think and maybe I would regret this. I think I would go with the kick from Bruce Lee because hopefully I I could live to tell the tale. Hopefully the you know maybe because I'm a little bit taller he's he's having a harder time to get his his leg up. Nope. Um, nope. That's not a thing. <laughs> he literally fought a seven foot one giant and was a and he can roundhouse kick anybody. Like yeah. he's um I, I just don't hard. like the idea. I don't like the idea of of maybe it's something about the fact that Bruce Lee would have to come towards me and I feel like just from a punching standpoint. Muhammad Ali would just be like right in front of me and like we'd be sparring and he'd be hitting me. Um I don't know. I they're both bad. But So so I guess so, sorry, the one thing to consider too, like are you just standing there or uh, is there an opportunity to move? No. Y- you have to take it. Okay. Cuz I was going to say if th- if there's an opportunity to move again, I'm leaning even closer to Muhammad Ali because I I feel like I might be able to like shimmy a little bit. Whereas I, I'm not saying like I mean, he's still an amazing you know he's super fast at punching, but literally in one second Bruce Lee could kick you six times. Like yeah. I know he's only allowed to do it once in this scenario, but the speed of that you wouldn't even know what happened. You would be just. Fortunately, I I imagine if he's doing that that fast, he's not with as much power because there's no way he could kick you once, put his leg down to the ground, and like recoil and kick again. Like I imagine it as like a kick from the knee bend kick, rather than like a full leg bend. You know, sure. More like a jab, a kick jab. I'm gonna throw this. The record that Lee had, I think, was what 100. And, I I deleted my note, but it was like 140 pounds or something. He can kick a sandbag five feet in the air. You weigh more than that. I know you do. Yeah. But he could kick. He could kick you half that, something like that. Well, like he could kick you pretty the far. The problem back. is the problem is you're you're a little biased here because I I know you didn't look up Muhammad Ali stats, so you don't it's even true. know like it's true. You don't know what Muhammad Ali punch power even equates to. Like, it said, yes, okay, he could potentially kick as as hard as Muhammad Ali punched, but yeah, does Muhammad Ali own some some world records that make it a little bit more dicey? Regardless, it's yeah. it's gonna suck. It's gonna be yeah, terrible. It's gonna be. It's. Really, we're we're trying to choose the lesser of of both terrible situations, as we almost always do. This might be the thinking. worst one. Like this, this might be the one where it's like, yeah, I, I'm good. Like of yeah, all of them, well, like uh, there's we've had some bad delusional thinkings, but this one is like I'm worried about my life. Right, right, right. We may not survive this. Yeah, I mean that's why I, I mean I jokingly put out to the heart but like it's in the chest the wrong way like collapse something i I don't know like i'm not built for that no (laughs) i i am going to crack 
Uh, so yeah, either way, we're we're probably not making it out on top. Uh, I'm gonna assume that, but uh, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, you folks out there enjoyed this episode about Bruce Lee. I know I enjoyed the research, and I know Brian did as well. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, our episode 82. We got more on the docket coming your way. And uh, but in the meantime, if you haven't already, make sure you send us some love and, and subscribe on Apple, Google, or Spotify or wherever you're getting your podcast. And uh, and follow us on on Twitter at the Quest for 100 or on Facebook and Instagram at Quest for 100 Podcast. All right. Until next time on the Quest for 100. Thank you.